Would you go with me again this evening to Psalm 66? We looked at this last uh, night. Psalm 66, verse 12. Psalm 66, 12 says, You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But you brought us out into a wealthy place. Glory to God. They went through some stuff. And you, if you look at the whole thing and look at the history of where this comes from, uh, so much of it was because of their own fault, their own mistakes. They went through things. But even when it's because of your own fault, if you repent and believe God, He'll bring you out. He'll bring you out. And said, He brought me out into what? A wealthy place. Now, the theme of our meeting so far has been the place of prosperity. We talked last night about two kinds of increase. We reminded ourselves that it is God's will for us to increase and for us to prosper. But that there's more than one kind of increase. We looked in Psalm, what was it, Psalm 73, where it talks about how the ungodly prosper in this world. They increase in riches. But that's but we looked in Colossians and saw that there is that which is the increase of God. Amen. It's a different thing. And we saw over in Ecclesiastes how that uh, it's not just having stuff, but it's having the power to enjoy it, to use it, to take your portion. There's not just having a bunch of stuff, but the ability to have it and use it. And real prosperity is what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. A real measure of godly increase, God prosperity, is when all your needs are met. Everything, you know, you're not needing anything from anybody. You know, you are, in one sense, uh, independently blessed and wealthy as far as independent from depending on men. You'll never be independent of God. But you are in such a state that you can use resources to help others, to help advance the gospel. That's real prosperity. When you can help others' visions and dreams come true and come to pass. If you've ever been involved in this, you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing more fun on the planet than God using you to meet somebody's need, using you to help somebody's dream come to pass. Somebody's vision be fulfilled. There is nothing better on the planet, my brother, my sister. Nothing better. You know what I'm talking about? Nothing better. I had my first taste of this back uh, decades ago. I was in Bible school. And I uh, needed some dress shoes. We had, uh, I think we had advanced to two sport coats and two pair of pants and one pair of dress shoes. Of course, you coordinate. You mix them up. <laughs> he can only do, Phyllis said, if you could call them that, dress clothes. They were pretty, not so hot. But it's what we had. And my shoes were looking real bad. We didn't have the money to buy them. So we believe in God for a pair of dress shoes. And uh, we had uh, classes uh, all morning. And then we had uh, 
prayer school, and we had healing school, and I was able to be in all that right then. And so uh, we're in prayer school, and there was a young man that had been uh, ministering there, and just uh, earlier that week, Phyllis and I had claimed money. Here came money in the mail, $50. Of course, this was a few years ago, and you could get a pretty good pair of dress shoes. And, and so, man, I was so excited. I was so thrilled. Boy, I prayed good that day at prayer school. Man, I'm praying. I got to victory, brother. I got my, because after the services, I'm going to the mall and get some dress shoes. <laughs> and uh, there was a young man with special speaker in the healing school. That's what was happening after prayer school then. And uh, he'd been doing a good job speaking there. I'm praying and I'm thanking the Lord and I'm praying about the, this and that and the school and the ministry and everything that the, we were being led to pray about. And uh, I got quiet for a few minutes. And it came up in my spirit. Call this young man's name that was preaching. said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Specific, brown. And I thought, well, glory to God. I'll pray for him. I'll agree. I know you'll give him his shoes because you gave me my shoe money. And what are y'all laughing about? You know what's coming, don't you? Well, I didn't know that at the time. I was really, really green. And, and so I said, thank you, Lord. And I just prayed for him. I said, Lord, I'm putting my faith with brother so-and-so's on his brown shoes. Yeah, thank you for bringing them in. So I prayed a little bit and lay there and got quiet. It came up again. Called his name. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. I thought, well, praise God, yeah. Lord, I know, <laughs> I know you're going to take care of him because you take care of me and, and I know you're faithful. So yes, thank you, Lord. I just prayed, you know, and um, thank you for giving him <laughs> his brown shoes. Then it came up in my heart again. Why don't you give him your shoe money and I'll take care of you on shoes. And so I immediately rebuked the devil. You say, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I'm still learning a lot of things. I thought, that sneaky devil. <laughs> Here I've believed God and I got my shoe money and he's trying to trick me into giving my shoe money. Get behind me. <laughs> but I lay there and I got quiet and it came up again. Sow him your shoe money and trust me, I'll take care of you on your shoes. You know, sometimes people find fault with folks like us that believe in sowing seed and claiming material things and believing for material things. But you know, the bigger part of this is us learning how to hear from God. You know, people want to down it and to say that it's unimportant, it's just materialistic stuff. No, no, no. The bigger thing is learning how to hear from God and learning how to overcome covetousness. And obey God. And learning how not to be covetous about stuff. And obey Him and what He said. That's the, really the big thing. And whether it's $50 that meant. To me that was a lot right then. But you know whatever it is to you. Wherever in your life. There will be things like that. There will be times God will ask you for your Isaac. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. If He ever does. What do you do? 
I shouldn't say if he ever does. When he does, <laughs> when he does, I mean act and be glad about it. Because he's never going to take anything away from you. He's just got in mind setting you up for a bigger harvest than you ever had in mind. Do you believe it? God's a good God. He's not taking things away from you. He's setting you up. He's wanting to have a right to do something bigger for you than you've imagined yet. So it came up again. Sow him, give him your shoe money, and I'll take care of you on shoes. You won't hurt and lack for shoes. Well, finally I realized, the devil ain't telling me to help this preacher with shoes. This is the same Holy Spirit that's been leading me. But you know... When you don't want that to be God, you try to make it into something else, you know. I said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry for trying to rebuke you a while ago. Uh, <laughs> he has mercy on ignorance. I, I said, yes, Lord, and it took me a few minutes, but then I began to say, yes, Lord, and I'll be glad about it too. Yes, yes. Of course, I'm thinking about not having my shoes either, but yes. And so I went to the service. The young man preached course you know half the time I'm thinking I was looking at his shoes and I thought you know his shoes look a whole lot better than mine I got on right now (laughs) what are you laughing about (laughs) you know you got to watch that kind of thing you're not supposed to be led by what people look like good or bad you're not supposed to be led by needs no and, you know, I did. I looked and I thought, well, boy, his shoes look pretty good to me. And, but that, what's that got to do with it? I said, what's that got to do with it? Whether he needs it or not, what does that have to do with it? Nothing. Nothing. That's another seminar. But I, halfway through the service, you know, I'm thinking about that. But then at the end, I got up and I marched up. And I said, brother, I said, uh, he didn't know me. And I said, uh, I'd like to ask you a question. He looked at me and said, sure. I said, are you believing God for some brown shoes? He said, what? I said, yeah, are you believing? I thought, boy, he thinks I'm a nut, you know. I said, are you believing God for some brown shoes? He said, stay right here, stay right here. And he ran off, ran the corner. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to tell the dean that they got a a flaky Jake student that's bothering him. (laughs) I'm liable to be in trouble here. And he brought his wife around the corner. He said, tell her what you told me. I didn't know if I needed to or not. I said, well, I just wanted to know if you're believing God for some brown shoes. They both started shouting and praising God. And when they stopped, they said, it wasn't just an hour ago. We joined hands back there in the speaker's room and believed God for a pair of brown shoes. Well, that was the same time I was laying in the floor rebuking the Lord. He said, yes, yes, we are. I said, well, I said, I don't know if this will cover it or not, but here I want to sow this towards it, and it was my $50, and they grabbed it, and they prayed over it, and they they shouted, and and I left and went outside, and it was cold, and the wind was blowing, and I was moneyless and shoeless and felt like I was about this high off the ground. I had heard from God. 
Oh, come on. I had heard from brown shoes. I heard from the Lord. I had been used of Him as a supply to answer somebody's faith. How many know that's worth a whole lot more than a pair of shoes? And you know it wasn't long after that. I had two or three nice pair of shoes. And as the years went by, things just kept happening. People would walk up to me. A guy walked up to me and handed me his credit card. Said, go buy some expensive shoes. Don't get the cheap shoes. Expensive skins. You know. And I said, yeah. He said, no, I mean it. Nice. And that's happened more and more than once. I've had shoes just show up at my house. <laughs> I'm serious. Just show up from, from other countries. Just show up at my house. Expensive shoes. And I know some people might look at them and think, boy, I wonder how much they cost. A lot. <laughs> but they cost me nothing. <laughs> of course, we've bought and paid for some too. But thank God he did what he said. He said, you do this, I'll take care of you on shoes. You won't want for them. I'll take care of you. Anytime the Lord ever deals with you to do something and it seems like a big thing to you, come on, be smart. Shout while you do it because God's got something great in mind or He wouldn't have directed you. Thank you, Lord. Go with me over to uh, the book of Acts, please. Acts, the 17th chapter. Now that was during a part of our life when the Lord had first led us to leave our home in Mississippi, out in the country, and go over to Broken Arrow, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and train for the ministry. That was a huge step for us. I mean, huge. We'd never left home. We didn't have any money. We didn't know anybody over there. But as I... (laughs) Phyllis said it stunk. We lived close to the oil refinery (laughs) for a while. But the Lord, we didn't know it, but the Lord was bringing us out to a wealthy place. It took some time to begin to see that unfold. But all the while, he had in mind a wealthy place. Somebody say wealthy place. Place of abundance, place of plenty, place of rich fulfillment. Do you believe God has such a place for you? But it doesn't happen automatically. You must be led to this place. I said you must be led to this place. In Acts the 17th chapter, the scripture says, verse 26... Acts 17, 26, it said, The Lord has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. You know, that's why racism is ignorant. We all come from the same stock. Hmm? We've got different complexions, different eye colors and hair colors and nose and ear shapes and what have you, but we all come from the same stock. And some folks that, you know, preach racism is so ignorant because they don't even know what they are. (laughs) What they claim to be against and hate, they're probably a 24th of that. (laughs) Or an eighth. They don't even know. They ain't got a clue. 
It's ignorant. <laughs> it's a man's heart that makes the difference. Woman's heart. Not their eye color or hair color or anything else. He said of one blood. One. All nations of men come from this one blood. To dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Or you could say their places. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. He has made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes. I told you he wanted you to have your own lands and and abode, but they're not just anywhere. You weren't born just any time, and your place is not just anywhere you would happen to land or decide to go. Our times and our places are specifically predetermined. You believe that or not? We just got through reading the scripture, right? Definitely determined. They are before determined. You know, we've said this before. A lot of times parents have been taught to tell their children, you know, their daughters, their sons, Honey, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You can be anything you want to be. And I know they mean well, but it's just not true. I said it's not true. Particularly for believers. What do you mean? My baby can be anything she wants to be. Not if Jesus is her Lord. She can't. My son can be anything he sets his mind to be. Anything he decides to be. He's smart. He's brilliant. He's good looking. He's got everything on the ball. He can be anything he wants to be. Not if Jesus is his Lord. It's not for him to decide what he wants to be. What he wants to go into. What vocation profession. That's already been decided for him. It's not for him to decide what to be. It's for them to discover what God has already predetermined. And to follow his leading step by step into it. Oh, are y'all with me? Now, this we're getting into some of the heart of what I believe God's got for us this week. We're touching on it. Remember we talked about last night. About if you're not in your wealthy place, let's figure out how to get there. If you got in it and got out, let's figure out how to get back. But there is a place. Now the word place, if you look it up from the Hebrew that we've been reading there in Psalms, it means two basic things. It means location, like you would think, or spot (laughs) is a word you spot, just like you think, like the spot where you're sitting. Location. It also means condition. Condition. I know some years ago, uh, Phyllis and I were helping some folks in a church speak for them extra while they were, you know, doing, figuring out some things. And, and uh, I already had a full schedule. And oh man, I, and I was flying myself too. I was preaching. I was flying. I'd get through a mine. I'd fly over there and preach for them. And I'd fly back. I got to the place where I was meeting myself coming back, man. I, and I stepped off and one of the ushers met me. And uh, I looked at him. I guess my eyes were a little bit bleary. I said, brother, what state am I in? 
It was a joke, you know. He looked at me kind of concerned. He said, oh, Brother Keith, you're in a good state. You're, you're in a good shape. Yeah. <laughs> he, <didn't get> <laughs> he was concerned for me. <laughs> well, the place is both a location and what else? A condition. A condition. And God has a wealthy location and condition. For you. There is a location and condition. Where you will excel and prosper like no other. Come on, can you see this now? There's a location and there's a condition. Where you will develop. Where you will increase. Where you will be a blessing Like you can do in no other place. It's your wealthy place. It's your place of rich fulfillment. It's the place God has predetermined for you. Before you were ever born. And the location and condition are connected. They work together. Go with me if you would to Genesis. The 12th chapter, please. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to take a look at Abraham. The father of faith. Do you know what else he's a father of? Prosperity. He's one of the first people that you see giving such an outstanding example of walking by faith. But he's also one of the first people that you see God making rich. A man that decided to obey God and be in covenant with God and believe God and follow God. And do you know the scripture that says God made him rich? Is it true? Who made him rich? In fact, it was such a deal to him, not just that he be rich, but that everybody know it was God that made him rich. So that when the thing concerning the kings of uh, Sodom and that kind of thing came up, he said, I won't take a shoestring for you. No, I don't want anybody to be able to say that you made Abram rich. Well, then what did he want said? What did he want known clearly? That God made me rich. Now, it's a sad thing that over half the people that go to church now, they act like you're cussing when you talk about Christians being rich. And yet here Abraham, the one they claim is their father of faith, not only did God make him rich, he meant that everybody was going to know and nobody could be confused about that it was the Lord who made him rich. You know, it's not just what you got. It's how you got it. Sometimes people want to try to portray because prosperity has been preached some. Some people think, well, you know, boy, if they've got fancy clothes, if they've got nice jewelry, if they've got jet airplanes, if they've got, you know, big house, whatever, that means that they're a man of faith. Mm, Not necessarily. We don't know how you got that. (laughs) No. And it's not just what you got. That don't show that you're a man of faith. That don't prove that you have revelation or that you're walking with God. You might just be in credit over your eyes. You may have taken advantage of people. We don't know what you've done. Do you know the Bible said if you seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, what would happen? All these things, and he's talking about material things, what you eat, where, where you live, that kind of stuff. All these things shall be added to you. Who's going to add them to you? The Lord. Is that different from you adding them to yourself? Oh, yes, it is. I said, yes, it is. Completely different. Your flesh wants to add it to you immediately. Your flesh says, get it now, anyhow. But your faith will say, if you wait, it'll be great. Just wait on the Lord. Let Him do it His way in His time. And the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And there's no sorrow when it comes His way. You can add stuff to yourself and it's an anchor around your neck. It's a thorn in your side. Now just look straight ahead. Don't raise your hand. But (laughs) Have you ever done stuff and then wished you hadn't done it? Got stuff and wished you hadn't got it? Ta-da. You were set on getting it. And then a lot of times people want to blame the Lord. Lord, what's holding up my finances, Lord? What's the problem? They, all the money they got is going to make their payments and they still don't have enough. And they've decided to do that instead of tithe and give. Got nothing to stand on to believe for any help. What's the answer? The answer is falling on your face. And saying, Lord, forgive me for being a fool. Ain't no need hollering at the devil. He just laughed while you messed yourself up. (laughs) Fall on your face. Say, Lord, admit it. Lord, you tried to check me about getting that, but no, I had to have it. You were trying to deal with me, wait, wait, wait on me, but no, they told me that I could just sign right there and have 95 easy payments. (laughs) But they ain't so easy. (laughs) And now I don't have uh, money to sow and put into projects. Listen, you should have thought about that before you signed the paper. Oh, that went over real big, didn't it? Before you commit yourself to money you're going to be sending anywhere, you need to say, all right now, can I tithe and can I sow like I need to and still do this? You need to look at that long, cold, and hard before you make the commitment, before you sign the pay. You don't just sign everything and just fly by the seat of your pants and say, yeah, some way, somehow God's just going to make it all work out. That ain't faith. (laughs) Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? That's not faith. That's foolishness. It's actually fleshiness. Your flesh is leading you. And if we'd be honest, the Lord is checking us. He's saying, no, wait, wait, wait on me. Wait on me. And I haven't digressed. This covers this whole area. We have got people, so-called faith people, word people, a lot of folks. They are bouncing from here to there. They're job to job, church to church, trying stuff, hoping maybe this is God. And it's not. And it's not. 
and their family is suffering for it. And their marriages are suffering for it. And their finances are catastrophic. You're supposed to let the Lord lead you. And you're supposed to have some stability. And year to year, you're supposed to get built up. One thing's supposed to be built upon another. You're supposed to get things and have them paid for. Come on now. And get things done and get them behind you and get a foundation. Get some solid things around you. Instead of everything being turned upside down every other year. And you running off and dragging your family here and finding out after six months it wasn't God. And so y'all load up and spend what else of grandma's money that you could find and go somewhere else and find out it wasn't God and go somewhere else and find out this stuff's got to stop. It's not right. Children are paying a price. Mom and daddy is saying the Lord told us to move again and the kids go, oh, not again. And they see it. They got enough sense to know it's not God. And they think it's just a bunch of junk. And they grow up and they want to get away from church and so-called God quick as they can. It's not supposed to be that way. Let's look at a good example of faith and prosperity. Our father, Abraham. Isaiah 51, you're in Genesis 12, but Isaiah 51 too says, Look to Abraham your father, look to Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone, and I blessed him and increased him. Increase. Genesis 12, are you there? Genesis 12, verse 1. And the Lord had said to Abram, Get you out of your country... And from your kindred, your kinfolks, and from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So what did he do? Verse 4. So what did he do? He went and talked to his folks. And he said, you know, I've been wondering about this. Seemed like the Lord told me to, to leave here. Leave all y'all. And go where, son? I didn't get that part. <laughs> son, come here and sit down. See, he's still at his daddy's house. Now, you know the Lord ain't telling you to leave here, and you don't even know where you're going. You got to get more straight on this. So Abraham stayed and prayed and talked about it and thought about it. Hmm? What did he do? Come on, help me out. What did he do? You think everybody thought he's doing the right thing? And he can't even tell you where he's going? (laughs) Where do you want us to start the camels? That away. Where does that go? Uh, The Lord said he'd show us. What did he do? He departed. He left. As the Lord had spoken to him. Everybody said out loud. He left. As the Lord had said. He left. As the Lord had spoken to him. He left. What are we talking about? 
If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But there's a verse that comes right after it. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. What if Abraham had stayed? Have you ever thought about it? He left. He went out. Now skip down a little bit into the uh, 13th chapter, verse 1. Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. Rich. How did he get that way? He didn't get that way at Mama and them's. He had to do what the Lord told him. The Lord told him, in fact, you know, it's recorded in Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter, just this way. Hebrews 11.8 in the NIV. Put it up for us, guys. Hebrews 11.8 in the NIV. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Said out loud, he obeyed. And he went, even though he did not know where he was going. Does that take faith? Oh, brother, it does. More than many have or are willing to step out in. Now, Phyllis and I have done this two major times, some lesser things, but two major times in our life already. We left where we grew up and went to uh, Tulsa. And then after some decades, we left there and came here. And both times, we had to walk away. We had to turn loose. We had to leave what we'd become comfortable with. We had to leave what we'd built. But every time we did it, we didn't know. But every time we did it, the Lord was able to bring us up. Bring us up. Increase us. And not just in stuff. But an influence, in a voice for the kingdom of God, in getting the word out. Oh, are y'all with me this evening? Am I just talking about us or am I talking about what applies to everybody? Everybody. Does God have a place? A place, a location, and a condition where you will prosper like no other. A place you were made for and was made for you. Where your gifts work. Where your graces shine. Where you can help and you make a difference. And then there's all these other places where you won't. And see, we've got, I don't know the numbers of Christians. They think they can go where they want, when they want. They can leave when they want. They can sow if they want to or if they don't, where they want to, and they do. And they think they can make a few confessions and still prosper amazingly anyway. It's not true. I said it's not true. You can even diligently make confessions and even diligently sow seed. 
And if you're in the wrong place, you will not prosper. Don't take my word for it. Examine the scriptures carefully. I said, well, the Lord told me to preach the gospel. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. He said that before the book of Acts, didn't he? Didn't he? When you get into the book of Acts and you see Paul going into his ministry, didn't they have the word of the Lord Jesus? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Didn't they have that word? And yet, you've read the book of Acts, hadn't you? He'd start to go in a place and the Bible said the Holy Ghost forbid him to go in there. You remember that? And they start to go into another place. And the Bible said the Spirit suffered them not. What does that mean? That means this ain't the place for you. Doesn't mean he's not called. Doesn't mean he doesn't have a strong and a good word. Doesn't mean it's not the will of God to help those people there. But you and I are just one person. It's a big body of Christ. He's got a lot of people. He's got a lot of resources. And he has predetermined your time and your places. Do you believe it or not? He has predetermined. We could have been born in the 20s. We could have been born in the 1800s. Do you believe in God or not? Do you believe that God sees the end from the beginning? Now you know, for people that don't obey Him, then they wind up in places and do things that's got nothing to do with Him. But the Bible said, all things work together for good to who? Not just everybody, to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. What does that mean? That means even when you don't know it, if you love Him and you're trying to follow Him, He is steering you. Even when you don't know. Anybody walk with God long enough to look back over your life and realize, man, He was leading me and I didn't even know that. He was guiding me. Why? Because when you were in the night time ten years before that, saying, oh God, I want to do your plan. Lead me. He took you at your word. That didn't mean you always had to know what was going on. Faith pleases Him. It pleases Him when you don't know where you're going. But you'll go anyway. It pleases Him. That's why this pleased Him. He found a man that would obey Him, not even knowing where He was going. Would Abraham have prospered and become rich like that if he had stayed home with Mama and them? I know when... uh, Phyllis and I are making the decision to go into the ministry back in Mississippi. That's where the Lord chose to have us born. She was born in uh, Louisiana. But our times and our places were there. I thank God for it. I thank God for those states. I thank God for those places. I thank God for my childhood. Looking back now, I mean, I wasn't rich, but we had a good childhood. A lot of good things. And we were making the decision, praying, you know, you knew the least. And we're praying, trying to get things straight. Is the Lord leading us to leave here? Is he leading us to go out there and and go to school? And and when we'd made the decision to do it, people came to see me. Even some of my elders in the church, one of my ministers that I loved and respected, 
And he said, uh, Keith, you going to leave? I said, yes, sir, we really praying about it. I think that's what we're supposed to do. He just kind of shook his head. He said, he said, son, in the Holy Spirit, the teacher? I said, well, yes, of course. He's my minister, you understand? And I said, yes, yes. He said, why can't he teach you here? Why have you got to go states away for him to teach you? Isn't he here? Isn't he the teacher? Can't he teach you here? I didn't have an answer for that. I just kind of was quiet. He said, son, we got a shortage of young people that even care about the Lord. We need people like you. He said, I need you. We need somebody that will stand up and be an example for the young people and, and love the Lord and minister here. We need you. Can't the Holy Spirit teach you here? That was tough on me. But you know what the answer to that is? Can't the Holy Spirit teach and train you here? Not if he told you to go there. <laughs> I don't think we've thought as much about these things as we should. People have acted like it's just more open. We could just kind of do it just any way that we decide to. Oh no, oh no, oh no. The Lord's got a plan. And he has numerous reasons why it's supposed to work this way. And oh, he'll still love you. You'll still be saved if you don't go according to his plan. But you cannot prosper. You cannot increase. You cannot develop like you're supposed to unless you're in the place he directs you to be in. How many remember Saul, who later became Paul, on the road to Damascus, met the Lord Jesus? You remember that? And what, among other things the Lord told him, go into the city and it'll be told you what you must do. Well, he did go into the city and you know he had arranged for a disciple of his to come meet him and gave him this powerful word, how he'd bear his name before the kings and Gentiles. And I mean a, something that was a foundational thing through his whole life and ministry. Where did he get it? In the city. Where the Lord told him to go. What if he just said, well, i I got to go back home. Would he have gotten that word at home? Do you think Paul would have gotten the same word if he had just if the Lord told him to go into the city? But he said, man, I can't even see right now. i got to go to the house. <laughs> Y'all got to get me home. Hmm? No. When the Lord says go into the city... You can go somewhere else and fast and pray until you fall out and get everybody to try to help you and you're not going to get it because you're in disobedience. You're in rebellion. Part of what makes you able to get and receive what he's got set up for you is what's working in you as you take the steps of faith to obey and follow out. That's preparing your spirit. That's getting you ready to where you can and where you're able to receive what's coming up. Oh, come on, can you see it? Can't the Lord train you here? No, not if he told you to go there. If he told you to go there, that's your prosperous place. That's your place of increase. Even if it looks like a wilderness. 
Even if it looks like the last place you'd think you'd want to go, that's your spot. And so we did. Thank God by the grace. It was the grace of God. We did. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies (laughs) with our little bit of junk and stuff and went out there with no money. But we made it through the first year. And I was thinking the other day, you know, we thought we'd go one year and go home. Go back home. I was trying to reconcile all these things. They, he, my minister was saying, we need you here. And I thought, well, I can go get some training and I can come back and help and we can do it all. But we did the first year. And I know Phyllis and I, we had a check. Thank God we'd learned a few things in that year. We're learning to pay more attention to what you get on the inside. I am well convinced, well convinced that the Lord is showing his people things all the time and people are just not paying attention to it. They're not, a lot of times, not taught and trained to pay attention to it. But we got to praying about it and it was, it was a big deal for us because we were all set to go back home. But the Lord got it across to us and we, uh, we said, okay, we'll go another year. And that turned into another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and 10 years, and 15 years, and 20 plus years. But it was right. It was where we began to grow. It's where we begin to develop. It's where we, be, we begin to increase. In the process of time, we came out of that little dumpy place and shoot them up alley. And we increased to a regular apartment on the third floor. Got to carry everything up and down the stairs. And uh, Phyllis was so glad. Was it two places? And we got the little rental house. And she had a washer and dryer. No more washateria. No more laundromat. Thank you, Lord. And... uh, we, you know, increased, and then we bought our first house. Oh, man, we were so ecstatic about that. And then we kept believing God. Well, I guess this would have been about 15 years since we had gone out there. The Lord, I won't go into all the detail, but the Lord supernaturally, there was a house. We didn't even know it was for sale. It wasn't listed anything. We drove by it. The Lord said, look at that house. We did. I came up in my heart. I told Phyllis, check on it. She did. We went out of town on a meeting. We made them an offer. Didn't know anything about it. The Lord said, make them an offer. Come to find out it was in receivership. Everybody was upset about it. And they took that offer just within a few thousand dollars. And it was just a fraction of what it was worth. And this place was a place. Now, I mean, it was beautiful. It was spread a single story, spread out over about an acre and a half. Pool, uh, tennis court, six-car garage. I mean, it's a real place. And as we were able to close on it, we are moving in thanking God, excited about it, we found out they started building that place when we made the decision to come there. And the Lord, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, when you decide to obey me and you start down the path I have for you, he said, I have blessings predetermined to intersect with you as you go down this path. Mm. Do you believe it? Well, you know, he had the ram on the way 
when Abram was going up the other side of the mountain to offer up his son. That's the way the Lord works. But now what if we'd stayed home? What if we'd left after a year? Would we have prospered the same? Not just prosper naturally. Would we have prospered in ministry? Would you and I be looking at each other tonight? No. No. Can you prosper as well one place as another? No. No. God has a wealthy place. He has a place of plenty. It's a location. It's a condition. It's connected with other people. It's not open to just do anything that crosses your mind or any flighty idea that somebody comes up with. God's got a plan. You need to find out what it is. You need to stay to it strictly. Do you believe it? Thank you, Lord. Go with me over to uh, the 26th chapter of Genesis. Now, if you're thinking, well, I... Okay, okay, but how do I find it? It seems so hard to find. It is not hard to find. We're going to get to that before this is over with. It is not hard to find. That's a lie. And we're going to go over some details. And we already released our faith last night, didn't we? To what? We're going to find our wealthy place. We're going to get in it. We're going to stay in it. If folk have gotten out, they're going to find out how to get back. If people have gone off on their own trek and path, they're going to repent. They're going to get it straight. My faith is on it. Is yours? Not just for yourself, but for everybody in this building and will be here the rest of the week. Everybody watching by internet all over the planet. We're believing God. I mean, this is a momentous week. We're going to find our place. We are. You don't have to know all the details by the end of tomorrow, end of the week. But you can be in faith and things can be set in motion spiritually. Just like we're talking about. So that this is happening. This is happening. Glory to God. And you are intercepting what God has predetermined for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did you find Genesis 26? Genesis 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. You know what people are concerned about now? Famine, whether it's financial famine, food famine, credit famine. Famine. You think God could sustain you in a famine? If you've read this story, you know he can. Not just sustain you. Not just enable you to survive. But actually thrive. You know, the light shines brightest when it's dark. Doesn't it? I mean, when it's dark, everybody's dark in the cave. When somebody turns on the flashlight, everybody knows it. Everybody. And God's work shows up so amazingly when other people are scared and getting tight and stingy. And you step out and believe God to expand and invest and sow and increase. And when other people are going down and decreasing, you're increasing. You're expanding. That's a witness. I said, that's a witness. When other people are scared, you're not. You're praising God for increase. That's a witness. 
That's a testimony. But it's our choice. It's up to us. Whether we choose to fear or walk in faith. He said. Verse 2. The Lord appeared to him. And said. What did he say? Go not down to Egypt. What does that mean? Don't go to Egypt. Why did he tell him that? Because he was getting ready to go to Egypt. That's what his daddy did. The last major famine, if you go back and read what we were in Genesis 12, come straight from there to here, you'll find there was a great famine. And that, well, we actually just got through reading it. It's right there in 12 and 13. That's what he did. That was okay for him. Actually, God gave him some riches while he was down there. And when he brought him out, he had increased him mightily. But just because that's what daddy did, doesn't mean that's what the Lord's leading you to do. And you got to watch because sometimes daddy will say, hey, now I did it and I know this works. (laughs) Well, yeah, because that's what God told you, daddy. But it won't work for me unless he tells me that. The thing that I have seen more and more, why so many problems have occurred in so-called word and faith people's lives, is that people have not included being led by the Spirit with walking by faith. You can't separate the two successfully. We must learn to be led by the Spirit, and I mean every day and every night. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? Don't just decide you're going to do something. Ask Him. Check with Him. Check on the inside. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. There's a right way every day. He said, don't you go to Egypt, Isaac. You dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in this land. Now what's wrong with that land? Famine. Everybody's bailing. Nobody wants to stay where he is. It's bad and getting worse. And God says what? Stay. 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 I know uh, Phyllis and I ministering in a church some years ago. And the Lord had led us during the course of the teaching to encourage, to persevere and believe God and stay with it. And he said, Brother Key, after the service, he said, man, I needed to hear that. He said, you know, the previous couple of ministers that came through here, they told me if I wasn't a certain size, within the next month or two, I ought to just quit. Because he'd been there for a few years and he wasn't, the work wasn't all that big. I said, well, what did the Lord tell you? He said, well, I, he didn't say anything like that. But, you know, these guys, they know the Lord. And, and I was thinking, well, yeah, I hadn't done all that much. I said, how do you know you hadn't done all that much? You've been sowing the word in faith. You don't know. His word does not return void. You don't know where that word's going to go. What it's going to do. Never underestimate the word. You spend 20 years with a half a dozen people. You don't know what one of them may do. One of them may reach millions. You don't know. What should you do? You should go where he tells you to go. And you should stay where he tells you to stay. And I said, no, unless the Lord tells you to do something different. No, don't you look at the numbers. Don't you look at it. And it wasn't just a year or so after that. Man, they broke out. They increased. 
But see, he was almost discouraged listening to other preachers. When the Lord tells you to stay, stay. see, we see in both sides of this, so the Lord told Abraham, go. And when he tells you to go, go. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't wait till you can see how to do it. Do what he said. Go. But there are times he tells you to stay. When he tells you to stay, no matter how rough it is. Yeah, but what if there's famine in the land? What if people are not treating me right? What if people don't appreciate my gift? (laughs) If he told you to stay, and that's the place he told you to stay, then there is no other place like that place for you. You can't prosper, you can't develop, you can't increase in any other place. Like that place. Even Now see, if somebody came up and told him, Isaac, just relax now. This is your wealthy place. People are dying for want of food. Stay here. This is your wealthy place. Doesn't look like it. But what did he do? That's why he's in the book. What did he do? <laughs> Woo. So Isaac, verse 6, he dwelt in Gerar. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed. Where did he sow? Where? Where? In that land. In that land. And received in the same year with the famine economy. In the same year. A hundred fold, and the Lord blessed him. Did he get increased? Yes. Did he expand? Yes. Did he enlarge? Oh, you keep reading, man. It just keeps getting better. Verse 13, and the man waxed great, and he went forward, and he grew. It sounded like expansion to me. Grew until he became very great. He had possession of flocks, possession of herds, great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. In fact, the king came out and said, you know, you need to leave. <laughs> he said, what? What did I do? You, you making me look bad. You show me. Nobody's supposed to have a nicer chariot than the king. Nobody's supposed to have more money than the king. You're making me look bad. Would Isaac have prospered like this in Egypt? No. Are you sure about it? There's no way Egypt would have been the place for him when the Lord tells him, you stay right here, you stay right here, you sow your seed here, I'll bless you. And he did. Oh, friend, all over this world, there are people, it's so sad, the Lord told them, he sent them to churches, he sent them to ministries, he told them to stay there, he told them to tithe and sow seed and work, and they were all... You know, excited about it for six months. And then somebody didn't do what they wanted to. And somebody didn't let them do what they had thought they should do. And and they got perturbed and they got miffed. And they had a few little words with somebody. And they said, I ain't got to take this. I ain't got to take this. I ain't got to put up with this. Let me give you a little clue here. If you want to obey God, you do. I said, if you want to obey God, you do. Yes, sir. 
have to put up with it. You do have to endure even hardness as a good soldier. But see, people think, well, this is America. It's a free country. I can't go where I want to go. You sure can. Right out of the will of God. Yeah, but just me and Jesus. That's all it takes. Me and Jesus. And I can sow my seed and make my confessions. Yes, and you will not prosper. You will not increase out of your place. I'm sorry. You can confess night and day. You can sow a lot of seed. Did you hear me now? Why? Because you're in rebellion. You're in disobedience. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, the very next verse said you'll be devoured. I know a Phyllis and I, the 20 plus years we spent in Tulsa, there were more than one time we really thought about leaving, thought about doing something else. I won't go into all the details, but there were personal issues, ministry issues, and money issues, you know, we're all human. And there's been a time or two I came, fell across the bed late at night. Nobody knew it. I said, Lord, I want to transfer. (laughs) And it came back. (laughs) Denied. (laughs) There was a time Phyllis and I thought about breaking up. Earliest days of our ministry. You've heard us talk about it. We seriously thought about calling it quits. But thank God Jesus was Lord enough to both of us that we submitted ourselves and said, well, Lord, we'll do what you say. We're not enjoying this. (laughs) But we will do what you say. Not our will. We're wanting to leave. And you got to have faith that if he says stay, He's not planning on you being in torment your whole life. If he says stay, you got to believe he knows how to give you what you need in that place, in that situation. Oh, come on, are you listening? You got to believe, you got to trust him that he will meet your needs. He will satisfy your longing soul. He'll fill your hungry heart, whatever it takes to do it. You got to believe him. You got to trust him. Because if you break, If you run, now you're out of his plan. Now you're out of his will. You might say, well, God, just bless me fully anyway. That'd be him admitting your plans as good as his are better than his. When's he ever going to say, you know, just forget what I had planned. And we'll go with your program. Ain't happening. Listen to this. We just got through reading this part. Deuteronomy 12. In fact, just turn there. Deuteronomy 12. Anybody in here besides me believe in a hundredfold? You just got through reading it. So, well, that doesn't necessarily mean a hundred times what you sowed. It did right there. 
That's precisely what it meant. A hundred times the natural seed he sowed, he reaped a material harvest. A hundred times what he sowed in one year. Now people can make fun. They can make excuses. They can say it doesn't work and it's not right. But you just read scripture. And of course, what if you believed it didn't work? Then it wouldn't work for you. Because these things work by faith. I believe in hundredfold. I believe in sixtyfold. I believe in thirtyfold. I believe in tenfold. I believe in twofold. I believe in a thousandfold. I believe God is a big, 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 big God. Big God. And I can see from the Word where are the limitations. The limitations are on what kind of seed you sow. Where, what kind of ground you sow your seed in, and what kind of faith you have to harvest it. A lot of folk just don't have hundredfold faith. But don't get stuck. Nor, on the other hand, now, you don't hear us every offering get up and promise people a hundredfold on what they're sowing. You've never heard me say that. I wouldn't say it unless the Lord told me to say it. There's been specific times in our life that the Lord said, sow this seed. Claim a hundredfold. We did and it happened. Praise God. But we didn't do that every time. Why? Because faith is based on what he said. Not just, you know, generalities, but specific. We need to be led every day. Don't we? Every day. That's another subject. Uh, where are you? Deuteronomy 12 And five says, unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall you seek, and there you shall come unto that place. And verse six, and there, thither, there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vows, your freewill offerings, firstlings of your herds and your flocks, and there, everybody say there. There you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all that you put your hand to, you, your households, wherein the Lord your God has blessed you. Somebody say there. You know, uh, somebody said, what does that mean you get to eat it? Well, think about your tithes and your offerings in your church. You invest into your church, and yet you get to eat there. You're helping it to go, but it's feeding you. God's good. Verse 8, you shall not do after the things that you do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. He said, you got to quit that. Skip on down to verse 11. Then there shall be a place, somebody say a place. A place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither, thither means there. Shall you bring all I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offering uh, of your hand, all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons, your daughters, your men servants, your maid servants, the Levite that's within your gates, for as much as he has no part nor inheritance with you. Now get this, take heed to yourself that you offer not your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Is it okay for us to just sow where we decide to? 
just any place that crosses our mind. He says, well, this is, you mean I got to hear from God about everything? Yeah, it's always been that way. <laughs> it's always been that way, but God has mercy on little ones. When you don't know any better, he has mercy on you when you're young, young. But this is good news. I said, this is good news. What does this mean? It means you're growing up. You're growing up enough to know how to be led by the Spirit in every one of these things. Some are excited and some are not excited. This is good. This is good. To go from hit and miss, 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 half hit, miss, 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 miss. To go from that to hit, 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 hit. Oh, come on, hit. We're not called to live hit and miss. The Spirit of God who's in us is not hit and miss. And yet people say, well, yeah, but it's so hard. It's so hard. I I just can't seem to hear from God. It's so hard. That's a lie. That is not true. That's acting like what he said is not true. Go to John 10. We'll try to wind this up pretty quick. John 10. Mentioned we'd touch on this, so here we go. How can I find my place? It's a lot easier than you think. I said it's a lot easier than some people think. Yeah, but it seems so hard. I've had more than one person come to me, Brother Keith, pray for me. I just, I got some things coming up and, and oh, it's important. I need to make the right decision and I don't want to miss God. I just, I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss God. You know, pray for me. Well, just them what they've said there, what are they afraid of? They're in fear. Is that a problem? That's a huge problem. What you fear can come on you. You get afraid enough that you're going to miss God, what's going to happen? You're going to miss God. This whole thing works by faith, friends. Let's see, people pray for me, pray for me. I just can't seem to hear from God. I, I, I can't hear His voice. I don't know what's wrong. I've prayed, I've fasted. I can't hear His voice. And they looked shocked when I said, that is a lie. <laughs> well, I guess I don't. I said, no, I'm sorry. I got to believe this. Somebody said, what are you talking about? Did you find John 10? John 10, you know what I'm going to say? John 10. Verse 3, to him the porter opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, who's this talking about? It's talking about Jesus, the good shepherd. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So don't tell me you don't know his voice. I got to believe him. Hard to hear from God. No. It's not hard to hear from God. The devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a confuser. He's a liar. Just try it on for size. Say it out loud. I can hear from God. I know his voice. See some people think that's bragging. 
They think, ooh, I could. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I know his voice. Could you quote the scripture? <laughs> could you agree with Jesus? Then come on. Say it out loud. I, I know, his know his voice. I know his voice. I know his voice. Man, this is helping you just to say this. I know his voice. I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. He's my Lord. I know his voice. I know his voice. He leads me and I follow. He went on to say, we're here in three and down in verse five. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. You know what that means? That means they tried to lead you the wrong way and you didn't follow. You knew, uh uh-uh, no, uh-uh, this ain't God. I'm not going that way. You ran from that. They know not the voice of strangers. Verse 27. Verse 27. Are these red letters? Does that mean anything to you? What did he say? My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I'm getting excited. If you follow him, what's going to happen? You're going to always be at the right place at the right time. Because he's predetermined your times allotted and your places appointed. Do you believe it? Now here's the problem. Everybody that's born again They've heard him. They know him. That's how they got born again. They heard him. They heard him call them to come believe on him, to come follow him. Ain't no such thing as somebody born again and they never heard the Lord. What did the Bible say? How shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? They can't. They won't. So everybody that called on him in faith, what do we know? They heard him. They heard him. Everybody, even though they're a young, baby, baby Christian, they've heard the Lord. They know his voice. They know it. They're able to follow it. And as long as when you hear something of him, and I'm talking about trying to hear audible voices or see things, the way he leads every believer by the witness of the Spirit, as long as you follow that and act on that when he leads you to do something, you stay clear. It stays plain to you. The problem is if you decide not to obey. If you decide to ignore. Now you begin to cause yourself problems. You begin to try to pretend he's not dealing with me. He didn't direct me to go. You try to ignore it. You try to push it past. Like Timothy talks about, it has an effect of searing, dulling. And if you keep ignoring and keep disobeying, keep resisting, you become duller and duller and more and more confused about what's God and what's not God. But you didn't start out that way. Nobody did. Everybody started out clear. Clear. Plain. 
clean, focused, knowing Him. You know, if you don't want the truth, what else is there to believe? Only lies. And if you don't want something to be God, and we've all done it. You know, I told you just a few minutes ago about me rebuking the Lord over that shoe deal. Well, here, just a few moments before, I'm agreeing with him. Yes, I'll believe with you for the brother's shoes. But now, if I agree that this is the Lord, I'm going to lose my money. Not really, but I thought I was. Hmm? So what do you do if you don't want it to be the Lord? Your head does these mental gymnastics and comes up with, we don't know what that is. <laughs> the Lord's leading me to go, oh, no, that couldn't be the Lord. I, we don't know what that is. We don't know what. And the moment, the moment you try to say you don't know that's the Lord, the enemy comes right in. Yes, sir. And wants to give you lies and deception because you don't want the truth. So he's got something else for you yeah. to believe. And the problem is, tomorrow, when the Lord's trying to lead you on something, and it's the Lord, but yesterday you said that wasn't Him. Well, who is it today? You've confused yourself. Oh, come on, can you see this? I used to work out on the docks loading freight. Phyllis and I first got married. Young, just a teenager actually. And uh, hard work, hard physical work. And uh, man, my hands began to be calloused. Some of the guys had been there for 20 and 30 years. One guy, at lunchtime, he'd sit with his pen knife and cut into his hand. He couldn't even feel it. His hand had become so thick with calluses. Well, after a couple of years there, I began to have some calluses. Real thick, you know, you're just you're using your hand so much, it's so much friction. Real thick. But you know, tonight, <laughs> I hadn't loaded a truck in <laughs> decades. Soft. <laughs> Sensitive. Why am I telling you all that? No matter how dull a person becomes, they can become tender again. No matter how much people have disobeyed or rebelled or ignored, all you got to do, all you got to do is tonight say, that's it. No more disobeying from me. From now on, every time you deal with me, I'm going to pay attention. And if you'll start tonight, quickly, that callousness, that confusing stuff, that is this God, we don't know if it's God, what is it, that'll begin to fade away, and you'll all you'll know is I'm his sheep, and I know his voice, and I follow him. Well, where's he leading? Where are you following? Where's he leading? He's leading you to that wealthy, <laughs> wealthy... That's what Psalm 23 is talking about, isn't it? Huh? Those rich pastures, those still waters, wealthy place, wealthy place, table full, cup running over, wealthy place, wealthy place. Stand on your feet, everybody.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.